0: hello everybody welcome welcome i'm patrick farrar and thank you again for joining us for another installment of the opinionated stance podcast please do me a huge favor visit opinionatedstance.com follow us on twitter and facebook subscribe to the podcast on itunes and google play also if you haven't had a chance yet subscribe to the youtube channel we're posting these videos here uh of the audio and all that stuff if you have any comments questions concerns show ideas please reach out we always love to hear the feedback from our listeners and thank you again From the bottom of my heart for listening to the shows. Uh, Today is going to be a fun topic. In previous episodes of the podcast, we have talked about community uh, from the perspective of getting involved and introduced to a community if you haven't been involved. But today, we're going to look at something slightly different. Today, we're going to look at the other side of community, which is community building. My guest today is a personal friend, first-time caller, long-time listener, Uh, Adam Hahn. Adam has been actively involved with organizations like Startup Weekend and Techstars, where he's developed and fostered startup community events across the world, um, which is pretty pretty remarkable in that sense. Adam, thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Thanks
1: for having me, man. I'm excited.
0: That's awesome. Thank you again. It's Saturday. It's beautiful weather. Um, Why don't you do me a huge favor and tell people a little bit about the man, the myth, and the legend. Tell everybody (laughs) about your background.
1: Uh okay, so the quick background is <clears throat> I'm currently the lead of product at a startup called Abe.ai. Um, I'm based in New York, the company is in Florida. Before that, I was working with an organization called Techstars, which most people might be familiar with. And I got to Techstars through the channel of Startup Weekend. Um where I was working in Seattle. Um, and then before that I got to Startup Weekend by working for a couple of different startups in Chicago. Uh, so from Illinois, moved to Chicago, then to Seattle, and now New York.
0: A worldly traveler he is. He's seen, <laughs> seen both, both coast and internationally doing some of these different events here. Um, our background, my background is I met Adam uh, when I attended my first Startup Weekend event in Chicago back in 2012, where it was, I'd call it the nexus or the epicenter of Startup Weekend Chicago. It's when everything like it was the the root for everything. Everybody's uh, collective stories go back to that event, and that's a big event. Yeah, and all that stuff. So, well, let's kind of like dive into this uh, this this topic of community building. So, you briefly alluded that you were with TechStars and Startup Weekend. How did you first get involved in the startup community, and what caught your attention to want to get involved more in a leadership role?
1: Hmm. Okay. So. I guess I got I got involved kind of by accident. I was working for a, a, a startup that kind of ironically was formed at a startup weekend. That's how I found out about it. Um, but a friend of mine who I met in college, he was one of the early employees, if not the first employee. And when they were looking to launch the product in Chicago, uh, he kind of hit me up and, and let me know what was going on. So that was my very first introduction to the world of the, of startups. Uh, and this was like 2011. So this was right around the time where things like built in Chicago and TechNori uh, were just getting started. You know, they weren't really well known. The brands weren't well known. So there really wasn't a huge scene. Um, there's really small scene at that time. Um, so I, I, met a lot of people, uh, just going to different events, seeing the same faces at all these events that I would go to, um I stood out because I was always wearing this Zarly t-shirt. And at that time, so again, this was like six years ago, Zarly was one of the the hotter startups for lots of reasons. Um <laughs> revenue was not one of those reasons, but just about every other category mm-hmm. uh for an SF-based startup, Zarly was was uh, very uh, popular. So um that was kind of like my way of meeting a lot of people, just having conversations with them, seeing them over and over at different events and about a year after I started working for Zarly is when, I'm sorry, I went to my first startup weekend that same year when I was mm-hmm. an employee of Zarly and then after that uh, is when I decided I wanted to organize my first one. So the reason I decided to, to put a startup weekend together in Chicago is because I had a lot of access to all of the right resources and people and venues and sponsors that, that make a startup weekend. And so I just figured I'd be the right person to kind of pull that together. So I collaborated with a few of the other previous organizers and kind of just took over from there. Um, So that's kind of what I mean by when I say by accident. I did it because it was originally for work. I really wanted to let people know what Zarly was and um, put it on the radar. And the result of that was ultimately me just enjoying the time I spent hanging out with these people and talking about how we can – Build the tech scene in Chicago, and uh, what can we do to build the tech scene in Chicago? And that's kind of like when the how comes in. So we started um, throwing these different startup weekend events, and they were successful. So we kept doing them, um, and then after a while, I just kind of got addicted to it, and yeah. I met really awesome people, and that was kind of like the, the 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 impetus behind of why I was doing what I was doing.
0: Yeah, that's great because I know that first event that was what was it May of 2012 the or first one i China. did
1: yeah that's where you and i met was June yeah well
0: i remember like sitting there in seattle like a company that i'd worked for from a startup weekend event um had an unceremoniously demise <laughs> which happens at times but i was sitting there and i remember sending you the email like on like tuesday or wednesday hey bud um quick question are you sold out because i need to know because i'm gonna buy a plane ticket from seattle to come <laughs> visit this event um, and you're like, yeah, we'll figure it out. I'm like, I need to know a more definitive answer than yeah, we'll figure it out <laughs> uh, to take and actually get here. But that then I got to that event and what I saw was like the initial startings of like something big happening here because I think what we had seen is like t- t- 2011, 2012, you had other startup communities that were really more, a little bit more developed and more established, like the Seattle community, the SF community, New York, and a lot of the press was getting there. And so you were really taking it from, with the help of other organizers, getting that first like, foundation built in Chicago. Um, what were some of like, the most fulfilling moments that you had with like, community building in Chicago, and then also like, going on on your like, experience as you've went on to do, um, to different pastures? Sure. Um, well, so
1: before I answer that, I do deserve, I mean, there's people who deserve credit. Uh, my predecessors like Chris Campbell and Mark yes. Bertrand, they were the guys who who originally brought it and then to, brought Startup Weekend to Chicago. And there was kind of a, a gap in between when the last one was um, and kind of like the feedback. And I just felt like it was, the, the time was right for someone like me. And like I said, the resources that I had to kind of step up and take it on. Um, and, this, uh, the, so going back to your question, kind of on the, the fulfilling side, the candid answer is I did the first startup weekend that I did where we, you and I met, mm-hmm. I thought that was going to be my first and last I was, cause I didn't have, I didn't allow myself to have all the support that I needed. I didn't really, the, when you, when you put these events together, you need like about five people minimum. Yeah. And my approach was I wanted I want to do this right and I want to make sure that I know the ins and outs of every aspect of putting this off or pulling this off. And the only way to do that is by doing every single aspect yourself. So normally when they're like you need to have someone to handle sponsorships and you need someone to book the venue and book the mentors and the judges, different people delegating different tasks, and I just took all that on myself. So by the time the event was over, super exhausted super stressed out couldn't wait for it to end didn't sleep the entire throughout the entire weekend you know honestly probably got four or five sleeps throughout four or five hours of sleep throughout the entire weekend um so when that event was nearly concluded i was i was thinking i was done um but then there was this moment and this is what for me was kind of that 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 fulfilling moment i guess um this this per, I don't even remember his name, but there was a developer who was pretty shy. He didn't he didn't really come out of his shell a whole lot throughout the weekend. Um towards the end of the event, he seemed like a completely different person. Mm-hmm. And when we were all kind of like doing our our farewell and thank you for coming. Have a great weekend. See you next time. And and while we were cleaning up, he just he hugged me and he clenched me and he just said, Thank you so much for your work and pulling this off. This event changed my life. Um and he wasn't being dramatic. Like I could see it <clears throat> that he was truly authentic in his message. Right. Um, so that was very eye-opening and a very rewarding feeling. Um, and after experiencing that, that was it, all of that stress and all of that exhaustion was like completely alleviated. And it just, it just re-inspired me to want to do more. And so a couple of months later, you know, we, we put together another one and, I think we ended up doing three or four throughout the the year. And then until um, a new kind of journey appeared in my life. And then I moved uh, out of the city and went to out of Chicago and moved out to
0: Seattle. Yeah. Well, I know from like a personal standpoint, that event changed my life because 18, I set a goal for myself that within 18 months I would be moving back from the West coast to here. Um, And 100% I was here that next March. So not even 18 months, like without, having the safety net or anything like that, I did make the move and it's like, those are the big things that are pretty remarkable here. Cause it was such an infant community at that point in time. Like no one really knew what they were doing uh, on the community building. You didn't have a mentor where you could actually go or talk through like, okay, how do I do this? It's like, we kind of made stuff up as we went along. Like what were some of the things that you wish, wish somebody had told you like, about your first event like besides the don't do it all on your own kind of thing
1: <laughs> that would have been the biggest uh, and, and most useful piece of advice um but i was stubborn and even if someone i mean people did tell me that i was a i mean people who organize your volunteers and that the headquarters they require that you have a team um so i just kind of went against that advice because i was being stubborn but other things would be i mean just relax. I was a little neurotic and, and a perfectionist, and I wanted to make everything be the most brilliant experience for all of the attendees, which I'm not saying it was, but I do think a lot of people were impacted. You know, as mm-hmm. you just said, you were. Um, that's where I met Jimmy Odom and Kirk Lashley, and lots of people who I still stay in touch with today. That was kind of like a, a turning point for, for lots of folks. Um, so, in a way, I think it paid off, but yeah, I wish I didn't dedicate so much to it for my own health, but I'm glad I did because of the the result that, again, all all the different people that I became friends with and met. Um, Other things, I mean, I I guess I wish I would have collaborated more with other cities, other communities that were doing it too, because as you had already pointed out, this is a program that is prevalent in all corners of the world. Um, And for, I really kind of skipped a big part in this conversation, without really giving the background of Startup Weekend. Well, but go
0: give the background. Give a little bit more of that if you choose. Uh, it's a weekend program
1: that's been around for, a, by now, almost a whole decade. Um, originally, kind of the Coffin Foundation helped fund it, but it was started by Andrew Hyde in 2007, and Mark Nagar and Clint Nelson and Frank Niroguat took over in 2008 or nine, I believe. Um, and that's when the program really hit scale, and it went from – 50 events roughly to a year to 200 and then 600. And then, you know, at one point we got up to a thousand events. Um, and these aren't just, uh, you know, a meetup event that happens three hours on a Wednesday night. They're weekend long events. You're asking people to dedicate your weekend that they are coming in on Friday night and they're really working throughout the entire weekend until Sunday night. Um, So it takes tons of hours and prep time leading up to it to put it together and, and, and throw, you know, a high quality event. Um, So we, uh, and and then startup weekend as a program has been held in uh, 150 countries throughout the world, over 700 cities and, and, and and counting. Um, So, so yeah, with that said, I wish I would have utilized the brand more, meaning I wish I would have tapped people in Detroit and in Minneapolis and Austin and Boston and LA and just said you know hey how have you done this before how would you what advice would you give for a first timer like me instead of just being so focused on what can I do here on my own Um, I think that would have been a little bit enlightening for me and it also probably would have been a little bit more humbling for me too thinking that uh, being in Chicago, I can only learn from cities like LA and New York and San Francisco.
0: That that's that, scale. That, that that, scale.
1: Right. Me being naive at that time, that's what I would have thought. But um, the second event that I organized, the facilitator, who was a non-local that I brought in to facilitate that event, he, was from, he is from Des Moines. At that time, I think he was living in Omaha. And um, <clears throat> when he came into Chicago to facilitate, he and I connected and he was telling me some of his stories and, and this was a guy who facilitated in several countries all over. Um, he was telling me like his favorite events were in Des Moines, Iowa, Fargo and, and Omaha, you know, smaller cities, yeah. two, two tier three cities that again, the naive me five or six years ago would have thought I can't learn anything from those cities because they're not on the same, not the same caliber. Um, and the truth is I could probably learn more from those cities than the bigger markets because those smaller, those smaller tier cities are way more intimate and right. they have really good authenticity in their community and connection in their community. So I probably could have learned a lot more from them. So I would say that would be yeah, the other really big thing that if I could go back, that's, that's what I would have done. I would have tapped the shoulder and asked more questions to the smaller communities and just found out what I can learn from them.
0: Yeah. And so like you've done stuff outside of startup weekend in the community building with just different roles that you've taken as your like career has progressed. Um, what are some things that like we've talked on this podcast before about just getting involved um, from a standpoint of like someone's trying to take and go to like a meetup and stuff like testing the waters that way. What are your things that you can take in um, kind of like give advice on once you've actually gone to some meetups, how do you take and get over that next personal hurdle of like, I actually want to help out um, because there's definitely, like you said, you spent a lot of time those weekends, like, you said for a start of weekend, it was 72 hours, you know, 54 hours on the weekend of like actual time for the event. Give a breath, like a scope of breath of how long it actually takes to plan some of these events. Um, so people have an understanding of like what it actually means to build a community. Cause it's not like, Oh, I can do three hours on a Wednesday and it's done. It's, there's a lot more that goes involved and that might be helpful for people to understand because everybody wants to take and have their name as organizer or this is my event but some people don't understand what all the time and effort it takes to go in there so maybe like shed some light on those uh, those experiences from your perspective
1: yeah the 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 work leading up to it is is immense (laughs) you have to spend lots of hours of prep time you have to be super proactive and make sure that you put this on people's radar so they don't make weekend plans. And it doesn't mean participants only, that also means judges and sponsors and mm-hmm. everything else that that, uh, that that plugs into it. So, um, and our our total average would be well over probably 40 spread out over the course of a couple of months. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was working for the company Startup Weekend full time, the requirement that we made people who were planning to host these types of events was, uh, at least three months out. And even if you had three, if you were, so it's February 18th, if we wanted to do an event, it would have to be, if you and I wanted to do any, a sort of weekend together, it would be May 18th at the absolute earliest. Right. Um, and so, and we, we, we <clears throat> kind of, uh, suggested to most of the people who wanted to do it, that they should even do it further out. But, the reason and and some people can pull it off in three or four weeks, but the reason we give it such a long window is to set the expectation. This is not something that you can just email a few people and then be good to go. Right. and And in a way, I don't think that applies to startup weekends only. I mean, I think if you want to do anything worthwhile and quality, um, you need to be proactive with it. and you need to take it seriously. Um, it, it depends on what your goals are with whatever initiative it is you know, startup weekend for me was the most formal and organized community initiative I've ever done. But there were lots of times where I was never hesitant just to contact some people that didn't know each other that I thought would benefit from knowing each other and just get a dozen folks in a coffee shop or a bar. Yeah. Um, So it just depends on like what the goal, what the outcome you want to happen is.
0: Yeah. So like, even like, I know that, you know, some people that are running grassroots meetups and stuff like that. What are like the time constraints that someone would have to take and do if you're like the organizer? Yeah. You might have to send out uh, a couple emails and stuff like that, but you got to actually have the event. You got to take and have a list of stuff like that. Like, do you have any stories around that area? Like the grassroots, like meetup stuff?
1: Yeah, I guess, again, it just kind of depends on why you want to do it. If you want to do it just to say, I started the meetup in XYZ city and have your name on the website or add it to your Twitter bio. Like you don't have to do anything. You can just show up and hope that people will follow. Right. But if you want to do something where there's going to be like actual value from it, you're going to have to plan a little bit more. And that is being strategic on like location of where you're going to have it in your community. Um mm-hmm. Also, kind of doing I mean in a way, it sounds like you're building a product or a company. you also have to do market research to find out if anything else is happening similar to your meetup in your community
0: at the same time, maybe at the same coffee shop, like, hey, can we less? <laughs> my group it's just me right now, and your group is seventeen people let's uh let's kind of make that let's join together, join the forces yeah.
1: merger and acquisitions and and meetups uh, yeah. well I, I think I think that's. I've never had that experience, but, uh, you know, every community is different. So maybe some people have, but I think it, I think that's something that the organizer or the person who wants to pull this together, those are the questions they need to ask is why do I want to do this? And exactly like, what's the, how of where we go about doing it? How are we going to make this work?
0: Right. Um, You alluded to it a little bit before when you were talking about um, just experience, like learning from different markets and how Chicago is at a scale of its, you know, the third largest city in America. It's a big um, sales and marketing town. We have a lot of resources there. You traveled across the world and did some events internationally. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that, like what it's like for different startup communities there or just like from what your experiences were going and taking and being like, I know that you've been to like to London a few times to take and do that. I think you went to Germany once or twice um, Mm -hmm. to do that, but share what the international flavor is like, because we can probably learn something from just um, just a different continent, you know?
1: Yeah. Um, It's such an interesting it's an interesting question because it it you would one would assume it would be night and day different. What I have learned is that it's really not. There's different scenes and there's different accents in cities, but mm-hmm. in terms of challenges faced and the ins and outs of doing it, um, it it's it's very similar. I, I mean, there's lots of every community is unique, but. Um, there's also tons of similarities regardless of geography. And so, yeah, I, I've been a part of, I, I, it's funny, I didn't have a passport before getting involved with uh startup weekend as a volunteer and then as an employee, but about a month before joining, I did get a passport. And I think I've been, I, I visited up to 12 different countries within the, like by the time by before the end of my second year being involved, um, but most of them being in Europe, uh, but. But yeah, the first one, I, the first international experience with the startup weekend that I had was going to Berlin. Um, and
0: did it take that, your breath away?
1: It did. It was.
0: Just sorry, I had to take and do the Berlin reference of Top Gun. I had to. Like, I couldn't. <laughs> I couldn't not have that dad joke sit there for a long time. So yeah, you were eager to jump on that. Oh, absolutely! If there's a door, I'm walking through it. So <laughs> anyway, I digress. Tell us about Berlin. Well, the the
1: point is, I mean it was just really unique for me to see that people share the same enthusiasm and the same passion for their community. Everybody thinks their community has what it takes to become fill in the blank of the mission that they're on. Mm -hmm. Most people give kind of like the regurgitated, we want to be the next Silicon Valley, um, which you hear in every city. But I mean, every, every city has unique aspects where it can be, the best in whatever it is that they think they're they can utilize those unique aspects and that's kind of what i would try to always like like put people on the path to do it's like don't necessarily try to become the next silicon valley but try to do what you can utilizing the resources you have available to you and becoming you know the the best at fill in the blank for berlin Um, so that was always kind of like my my goal of before, like you know, leaving and moving on uh, to the next city. But it was always the the, the the one of the most fun parts where when you arrive um, into a new city, how you're greeted. Do they even speak English here? How am I going to get around? All of these just kind of like personal. Oh, it's a community aside. These these personal experiences yeah. that you're that you just get to embrace. Um, yeah, There's things that I'll cherish forever and. Uh, something I'm very, very appreciative for that I had the opportunity to do.
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool. I mean, I haven't done the international travel, but I've heard the, I've heard your stories and I've heard other people's stories where it's like, it is fairly similar to, you know, everybody's got the same problem, similar problems. It's, it seems like the one, the, one of the biggest things is access to capital um, from a startup standpoint. it's like, how can I get my idea off the ground? But then it comes back to one of the tenets of it's like okay, if you have an idea that is validated, do you need capital to actually do that, or can you take and get capital by putting a product out and doing the analysis, getting and finding a customer base, getting a MVP out, starting to go the bootstrapping route um, for that? I mean, the access to capital—that's why everybody I think wants to be like the Silicon Valley, you know, be like SF and San Jose—is because. There's a lot of access to capital because they started early, like, you know, in the late seventies or when Mm -hmm. they're already on their second and third and fourth exits of people who have actually made a lot of technology exits uh, to plow back into the communities there. Um, What was the most interesting international one besides Berlin that you saw? Like Dublin. I mean, I don't want to leave anybody out, so I will. Well, just tell me all the ones that you've been to and see. So
1: Berlin, as I said, was the first, um, followed by London and Manchester. And then, um, from there I went to, uh, Barcelona, I, uh, you know, I fast forward a year. I went, I went back to Europe for Barcelona and Dublin and Galway, mm-hmm. uh, which was completely different. I mean, so sticking on that, sticking on Ireland for a second between Dublin and Galway, um, Galway was very special because that was the first startup weekend that they put on and this okay. was in the year of 2014 I think and so there was lots of hype and excitement throughout the community around that it's a it's a much smaller community a much smaller city but they had a they had a promising and and a very prestigious university there um, and, and they were utilizing the, re- the the resources from the university, and that's where they held had the event. That's kind of the where they promoted it a lot to the students. Um, some of the people who were involved, in the entrepreneurship program at that university, were involved as mentors. Um, so, so yeah, it was. It was just really fun to be in the middle of that excitement for. This is the first time that we're doing it in Galway. And then after that weekend, I jumped on a bus and drove uh, or or rode cross country from the Western coast of Ireland and Galway to the Eastern coast in Dublin and had an event there that was completely different. I mean, the event in Dublin, you could have physically put that same type of event in New York or any major city, uh, Tokyo, not have even known the difference. I mean, uh, it was at Google. So Google's headquarters, European headquarters is in Dublin. Okay. And there's this little pocket of tons of um, tech innovation that's happening in Dublin, all in this one neighborhood. Uh, Google's headquarters, uh, Google Europe is headquarters there. Facebook has a huge office there. Um, I can't remember the other companies, but uh, those were the two that the startup weekend was happening very close to. And people were just pulling. I mean, the organizers were getting the employees of those companies to participate. So in a way they're having a lot of this, this movement, these these right. crazy people talking about tech and startups and entrepreneurship. It's all happening in this one movement. I'm sorry, this movement is all happening in one specific pocket uh, sure. in, the, in Dublin.
0: Yeah. Like a hot pocket of air, like not a hot pocket, but a pocket, <laughs> a, a pocket of technology and like I mean, you can see them in different parts of different cities, where it's like you get a lot of smart people—not necessarily all tech people, but a lot of smart people thinking about different problems and how to solve them um, in there. And then you—it's like, wow, there's 72 different companies that can come out of that area. So it sounds like that's what it was like, right there in Dublin at that time.
1: Yeah, and yeah, no, it definitely was. And The cool, the really thing, the awesome, unique thing about Dub, the Dublin startup begin experience that I had was um, the, and this is actually applicable to lots of the cities that do this Mm -hmm. when they host an event and they bring an outsider in they want to wow that outsider they want to give them i did the same thing in the second startup weekend i organized which was november 2012 um that's where i met actually two of your previous guests andy abbott and Nirov. um that was the one where Shane Racer, the person that I referenced earlier, he came in and facilitated. I mean, my goal was like, I want to wow this guy because Shane was the former COO of Startup Weekend. He was one of the first employees there. He helped out a ton of getting it to massive scale. And for me, I was like, this is an amazing opportunity to get Startup Weekend Chicago on this guy's radar. So I want to blow his mind and have an amazing experience for him. Organizers, all people who throw these community events all over the world share a similar motive of this person's coming in from whatever city they're coming in from and we need to make this trip worth their while. We need to make them remember the time that they visited your city. And uh, for me, Dublin really offered, I mean, again, that was a crazy experience being in their auditorium for the final presentations and meeting the representative who leads Google uh, in Europe. Um, so they, they were really kind of showcasing a lot of what they had, what they can offer. And that's a cool thing. I mean, that really is in a way what helps communities who might think they're at a disadvantage because of whatever reason it is. Most of them, as you mentioned, is capital. That's the first challenge people always say, or maybe it's talent. Maybe they don't think there's enough tech talent, but whatever it is, you have opportunities like this one to showcase what you do have and what you can work with when an outsider comes in and that outsider goes back home and they're going to remember a lot about their experience of the time that they visited that city. Um, that was one of the greatest things about being a facilitator and traveling around is it wasn't so much me dropping in and saying this is what you guys have to do to have a successful community. It was more so me leaving there and thinking, man, I just learned a lot about what makes Galway so great and what makes Barcelona incredible and those were the things that I would take to dallas or or miami or whatever city i was visiting and kind of sharing those it's just one very large connected network of people sharing resources and ideas
0: yeah it's almost like you take the lessons from one spot and then you can see how to take in uh, potentially do that but understanding that miami is very different than chicago that it's different from barcelona or anything like that like the technology the industries around it, it the marketplace is different so if there's going to be an idea that's coming out of one spot, it may not be, you know, ag agriculture technology is probably not going to be the best thing in Miami in terms of, but it might be something that's great in Des Moines. Um, so understanding like each of the marketplace or the environment or the community that you go around um, is key. One of the questions that I had about that um, while we were just, while you were going on with that topic was, do people get paid to do this? No. Not, so for how,
1: start, not for not for startup yeah. weekends. I should clarify. Yeah. Um,
0: so it, a lot of people are driven by the money. So if people don't get paid, why are people actually taking the time to do this?
1: You know, I don't think I don't think anyone should. This is just my personal opinion, um, which it seems like this is the this is the appropriate platform to share. Yeah. It's it, I don't think there should you should get paid, and I understand people are sacrificing their time, but they're choosing to sacrifice their time, and if you get paid to do it, the the motive is completely twisted. Mm-hmm. You're not doing it for the the real reason that's going to make it grow. You're doing it so you can get paid. Um, and the real, I mean, so there you just have to ask like, what is the intrinsic motive of of why this is happening? And the more authentic, the better. I think Chicago over the years. With a lot of things, not just Startup Weekend, but with a lot of different initiatives, has really um, grown and like evolved into this amazing ecosystem that it is today. Yeah, and there wasn't anyone who was who was making any money from, or at least not on the surface level, not from what it was it was easily to tell. No one is making money from doing these events and or doing these these programs or these initiatives. Um, and that's what makes it great. If people start doing it for money, it, it it's gonna be for the wrong reason. Um, I'll share a, a really tough challenge that we went through. So for, I mentioned earlier, I was originally an employee of Startup Weekend, mm-hmm. uh, which was, a, a at a time, its own entity. And then in 2013, we rebranded as Up Global. And we did that was because we noticed this trend of, we were offering lots of different programs that help communities grow, and we shouldn't just stick to the title of one program. Kind of if you look at how 37signals uh, had lots of different products, but they, but, but their company name was 37signals. We had a bunch of different programs, but our main company was called UpGlobal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we were a nonprofit. We, we, Startup Weekend and UpGlobal have always been nonprofits. But in 2015, uh, we were acquired by Techstars, which is a for-profit so the perspective from a lot of our different organizers was very very resisting from what we were doing or what what kind of like was next because they didn't feel like it was right to be volunteering for a for a profit organization and that's something that i agree with it doesn't feel good but it but what you were doing never changed people are right. still doing the exact same thing we weren't asking for any more or less of their time and they weren't They weren't throwing these events for the sake of the people of the company. They were doing it to better and build their community.
0: Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. And I think my question is mainly just even more generic than that. It's um, should people have the notion of like they're doing, building a community. Like I'm going to start a meetup tomorrow. Like let's start a hypothetical. I'm going to start a meetup tomorrow and I'm going to make $65,000 doing that meetup. You probably shouldn't go into that like as what your goal is or like the heart of it. Your goal should be, I want to start a community or start a meetup to give something back. It's a volunteer. It's a volunteer um, organization or and, like idea. You should never go into it as a profiteering kind of way. Do people sometimes have benefits that come from taking and having a community? Yes, but that's not the main goal. Like, I think the main goal should be always like we're doing it to... Like we've talked about this on different topics. It's like you pay it forward. And if something on the end comes up where it benefits you, awesome. But don't go out as that being the expectation that you're going to get X, Y, Z from it. Because then you, it goes back to exactly what you said, where it's like, it's inauthentic. You're doing it for the money and your reasons of why you're doing it are not good long term for the community because you're, you take and make decisions that face what your pocketbook says versus what is good for the community. Right?
1: Yeah. And I think the problem was, is the lack of patience that people have. They think that I do need to have this quick turnaround. I do need to get a value from this right away. And the most beautiful examples are when people are doing it for the right reasons in the long haul and they're like the unexpected benefit that comes. Um, I was organizing events to help build Chicago. And ultimately in doing that, I met a guy that I ended up launching a company with, um, called mobile makers Academy. He, uh, the Brandon Pasley was uh, the original founder and he was with a judge at the first startup week. And I organized, that was not my motive. That was not my goal. Mm-hmm. I didn't think I'm going to do this program so I can get a job or I can get paid. Uh, I just did it because I, I, again, I had the resources and I wanted to, I feel like I felt like I was the right person in Chicago to do it and it was the right time for me to do it. And as a result of just doing that, Brandon, as a judge said, this was great. I want to talk to you about something. We ended up launching mobile makers and um, that was our project. That was something I worked on for close to a year until startup weekend asked me to to work for them and move out to Seattle. And I did that, but that was never my intention right from the get go. Right. And
0: and that's not gonna happen for everyone. You just have to take and know that it's like, you can put hard work in, but your end goal should be to foster the community. Uh, something may come of it, awesome. If not, the the best thing that comes of it is your peers will take and love you for doing it too.
1: Yeah, I mean, and, and, and the patience plays so big into that because if you literally have a clock that's ticking down of when your, your big break is gonna come, it's never gonna come, uh, I I was organizing startup weekends for over a year before I started working with them full time. Mm -hmm. Um, So again, that, and that's what makes it so special is like the unexpected uh, gift of this awesome result of what I'm doing happens still happening now. It was also, it's so awesome to listen to near of talk because I remember when I first met him, he was at a place where he wasn't, she wasn't sure what he wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And he just, it was the time for him was right to start exploring, which he did. So he went to a startup weekend and he met people and he kind of got this vision of maybe what I should do. And then he kind of approached it. And, you know, as, as you and uh, m- most people who heard him talk a couple of weeks ago, know that what his story is, that was the result of him just kind of exploring around and, and not really knowing what would come from it, but just taking that risk of going out there and seeing what happens. And he he uh, it worked out pretty well for him.
0: Yeah, it's been like his story is enriching, and it's like something that everybody should go if they haven't listened to, go back and listen to, because it talks about like it from the the standpoint of understanding community from getting first involved with it. I know we talked a little bit about it when you were talking about the first bit of Startup Weekend, but I want to hit, hit on it like specifically. You talked about where it was like that you would learn how to delegate in different things. But what personal skills have you learned from about yourself from being involved in developing multiple communities, like beyond delegation, beyond that first one? Because there's had to be a lot of different things. I've heard humility. I've heard different things like that, but fill in the blanks. Like there's some probably a couple of good lessons that we haven't talked about yet in there. Um.
1: I, it's not, it's nothing you could ever, for me. Anyway, I could learn from reading a book or, or taking a class. Most of it was all soft skill stuff. And um, I would say my, my EQ has has gone up just from all of this. All of this working with other people mm-hmm. and seeing different sides of people. So specifically, what I learned about myself is learning how to deal with conflict with people. I had never had any really previous experience uh, in terms of like a manager or someone who is overseeing something, having to kind of sort things out. There's been times where I've been like directly involved with conflict, maybe on a, on a disagreement or an argument. But when you kind of have to be the person who's overseeing the operation or, the, or like a, the manager of people seeing the operation, um, yeah. I learned a lot about kind of the, the dealing with conflict and, and just dealing with difficult people. Yeah. Um, so, and those are skills that I will, you know, always have in my tool belt forever. Um, and the, the other one is kind of obvious, I guess, but like just not even public speaking, but just being comfortable being in uncomfortable situations, I think helps me out a lot. Um, I used to be terrified of, of public speaking like most people are, I almost, I tried to pay a friend to take a a required speech class in college for me because the thought of me giving speeches to my peers literally terrified me. Right. So I, um, <laughs> I realized I didn't want to take that risk. I ended up taking the class myself, uh, and I survived, but it just made me feel like, okay, I did that. I finished my speech class. That means I never have to give a speech again. Right? So, I mean, that's how I viewed public speaking something I never wanted to be involved in. And when I was working for startup weekend um, and, and facilitating these programs, I, you know, I I was in front of people being the speaker throughout the entire program. Sometimes when I was organizing them and being the local organizer in Chicago, I would go to events and promote them and, uh, and talk to people about why you should come. I'm trying to sell them on it. And the real challenge with with kind of the whole public speaking thing for me, or what I really learned, is that you're not just reading from a card, or you're not just giving a talk. You're you're literally ch- adapting your message to different people in the audience. That was really that was really difficult. So
0: yeah, You, you got to play the room. You got to play the room a little bit. You have to play
1: the room a lot of it. And uh, a, a story to bore you to kind of really emphasize that point is. I was in Las Vegas and I was giving a talk on a new program that we were going to roll out. And Steve Case and um, T.A. McCann were two of our board members. Steve Case was the chair. So, T.A. McCann is a very renowned entrepreneur. Steve Case is, most people know, the founder of AOL. Um, And (laughs) (laughs) Steve is, uh, and and, I mean, they've they've both gone to do multiple things. But for me, I knew who they were well before I even met them. They were in a room where I'm giving this talk on this program that they should know what it is and why they should understand what it is. I'm trying to deliver this message to them. They're on one end of the spectrum, one far end of the spectrum. And then there's a hundred other people in this room. Mm-hmm. And some of them are people who are this was I'm sorry, this was for an international summit. So people from all over the world came to Las Vegas for this. So on the other end of the spectrum are people who English isn't even their native language and they're not even really understanding everything I'm saying trying to adapt that message to where it's applying to both sides of that spectrum was incredibly difficult um, for me and not something I prepared for. It was something I had to react to when I saw who was in the room. And um, you know, if I were to just walk into that room from day one without having all of the previous public speaking experiences with the other programs and community stuff, I mean, it would have been a completely different experience overall for me. So not just being comfortable of, I'm Adam and I'm going to give this talk on what Startup Weekend is, but just being comfortable in a position where you have to adapt to any sort of circumstance.
0: Right. Yeah. I think from my perspective, like I, I can, I haven't had the scale that you've had traveling internationally doing community building. Most of my stuff was here in Chicago. Um, I was a Startup Weekend organizer and organized events with, uh, Andy Abbott, uh, and a lot of other great people, those were the main events that we did in our tenure of time. But I think one of some of the stuff, like some of the personal skills that I learned from myself from being it was understanding what my comfort zone was and getting out of it. Um, you know, from a fact, like I had the, I had those public speaking. I think everybody's got like a little bit of a public speaking kind of fear. Yeah. Um, but like was it jerry seinfeld who said like the t- number two the top two fears are number one is public speaking and number two is dead and death, so yeah. fear of death and so it's like you'd rather be dead than giving the eulogy kind of thing <laughs> um just as like a hyperbole but for me like getting out of the comfort zone and building confidence is some of the stuff that i learned from an organization standpoint because if you got to tell a group of 100 people that they have to do something and you have to tell them that you have to take and get your message across otherwise it's pure chaos so for me like i know that some of the events i i would be the designated one to just start using my loud booming voice to get people to corral every stuff and it gave me the confidence to understand that people will listen to you with um when you have dedicated like uh, force in your voice you may not know what you're talking about but as long as you have the effort and the gusto it actually makes people want to move towards like, Oh, we should probably listen to him. He sounds like an authority figure. Um, yeah. The other thing that I learned a lot from it was just like the ability to listen, to understand, um, to understand different sides. Like the conflict resolution one is a different, um, piece that you'll like specifically an event where there's like judging and winning that sometimes becomes a problem because like everybody thinks they should win. But if you go back to things, Judging and winning is only a small, small portion of what the education that's coming out of that event is, but um, listening and understanding how to listen to what people are saying to offer help and advice was the, one of the biggest things that I learned from it. It's like people are saying that they need this X, Y, Z, but is that really the problem that they're trying to solve or is this, what they need to kind of get to the next thing, to the next thing and understanding how to identify, okay, what's their the root cause of the problem? Maybe they don't know the solution is somewhere else. And that came out of just like hours and hours of sitting there, you know, hundreds of hours of sitting at startup weekend events as an, either an organizer or a mentor, just like honing that. And that personally, like you got over the fear of public speaking, that personally helped me, You know, develop a better understanding of how to like identify problems in the market space. And that right there has given me tremendous value in my career wise that I would never have wanted to be paid for. You know what I mean? Like if I got paid $20 to take and do this event, I got something that was much more tangible and beneficial that it was a long play. It was something on the end, on the back end, but it was 10 times more valuable than anything that I could have ever done. So I think one of the big things when what I've learned is from, doing community building and everything else is it's great to attend events but you learn so much more when you actually plan the events like that's where you get tremendous value out of it um it wasn't until i like tried to figure out how to feed 120 people seven times uh and try to figure out like how to get 13 or 14 people with different schedules to show up at the same time it didn't like those lessons like once i was able to do that for the first time it's like oh okay these are like great skills that I can have like going forward in organization. So I know you've experienced that totally.
1: Yeah. I mean, it depends on your outlook. If you want to see it as a challenge or an opportunity. And for most people who see it as a challenge, maybe they back away or they don't want to experience it, but other people who see it as an opportunity, they want to embrace it and they want to kind of be in that discomfort zone so they can figure out a way to get through it and learn something from that experience.
0: Yeah. So like just kind of going back down to here. So like we talked a little bit about it, but specifically asking what are some of the challenges that you experienced in the community building that might help others avoid? Like you've obviously put your hand on the the burner and got burned one or once or twice. Uh, What can you recommend people uh, not do when they're trying to organize any event, not just a startup weekend, just like any event specifically?
1: Um, I would, so I would trust, people uh it's sometimes people say i don't have a reason to trust you but uh i I mean that in um in a situation where maybe you meet somebody for the first time you Mm -hmm. might be reluctant to meet uh, to trust somebody but just trust someone until they give you a reason not to um and i say that with the notion of thinking of uh why someone would maybe wanna help you or why why someone would maybe want to be involved in this or partake in this. Um, So if someone's coming forward and they wanna help, like maybe not trust them and give them the main task of this whole thing that you're doing, give them a small task, maybe give them a 30 30 minute uh, exercise, Mm -hmm. maybe give them a task that's gonna take them an hour or so to do and it's not even a big one, but that's gonna be the litmus test of if there's someone that you can fully trust with a much bigger task moving forward um so yeah that's something that anyone regardless of what you're doing if you want to uh, try to build a, a movement or some sort of do something in your community you are going to have to get familiar with working with people you might not know or know very well and you're going to have to decide if you how how close you want to work with these other people okay. or this one person and and you know am i going to trust them or not and my my just from my own experience is trust people until you they give you reason not to um and then also and
0: kind of then give them a second chance that they can prove themselves you don't just cut them off right at the first one you know depending on the severity of the outcome perhaps yeah yeah. i mean if they chopped your arm off like okay you could never
1: give them a I understand it was an accident (laughs) yeah
0: but still you're not getting a sword (laughs) but yeah
1: um and then one other one is just thinking of one and this is kind of coming from a direct experience but like there's. a lot of people who want to do things for their community and this is going to sound like a redundant message for me but it's knowing the why of what why they're doing it what's what's the main reason of why they're doing it and a big challenge that so many people encounter so many people who are involved in their community encounter is there's lots of activity that's happening in our community and they view it as like competition instead of an opportunity to collaborate Mm -hmm. so this kind of goes back to the whole challenge versus opportunities thing if there's lots of other events that are similar to mine, don't be so stuck on your idea or, or your specific initiative where you are removing the opportunity to collaborate with somebody else. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it just so again, that is all under the why umbrella. If you're doing this so you can build the, the IoT space in your community and there's another person or another group that's trying to build the IoT space, you don't have to differentiate your movement from theirs. You can collaborate with them. It's just its just an outlook thing. And the ones who kind of choose to go the competitive route instead of the collaboration route always lose. Mm-hmm. And they lose not because it's a failure. They lose because it doesn't meet what their expectation of this movement would be. Right. And that's because they're not allowing or they're not embracing opportunities that could help move it forward if as they would if they would say okay this other iot thing sounds cool let's meet with them let's talk with them and see what it looks like if maybe we we come together and we work on this together you're going to open up your reach that you have to people who can who are interested in this space speakers who are coming in from different cities that could come to your event or, or your program and give a talk like whatever it is You are doing a much better setting yourself up for success better if you collaborate or if you're open to collaborate more than if you're immediately shoot things down because you're more of a competitive person.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree with that more. Like if I were to take and point this question on myself, one of the things that I would say is like it's exactly what you said, is like have a goal. um, and then try to figure out how to take and work in something that you're passionate about because Again, going back to the point, there may not be any financial incentive or reason to continue to take and do something from that perspective. But if you have a goal of what you want to do um, and you're passionate about a certain topic or a certain community, those times where it's difficult, you will take and take and go through and take and break through that wall to take and have the next event. I can use a perfect example for me one of the big things that I'm extremely passionate about is just helping out the community of developers uh, and startup people in Chicago. And so a couple of years ago, we had an event that I was organizing where we would take and do Saturday morning ad hoc, meet at a coffee shop and have donuts. And it was basically a self-help group for developers and CTOs of or co-founders in the tech space. And so we had like 10 people show up for the first couple times and it was great. And the conversation was good because it was people that were invited into the group that were vetted. So there was authentic talk. And so that was one of the big things is people could open up and say, Hey, I need help with this. Or can you, do you know this? Or different collaborations would come from that. And so one of the things that came out of that, that was good was that authentic talk, but due to circumstances or different things, people started to, numbers started to dwindle and stuff in different schedules. So we tried to revamp it, but what came out of that is this actual podcast that we're on right now. The goal is to take, take that, those in-person conversations and dialogues that we have to bring it into a way that is going to live the test of time in perpetuity for everything else. So that's like the main goal that I'm trying to get out of this podcast is being able to deliver that content that we had in a way that can help more than anybody I can reach at a coffee shop in Chicago on a Saturday morning. And so that's the goal. And that's the passion behind it is to offer those advices and offer those things and offer those different things. And from a personal selfish standpoint, I get to produce these things and use different technologies in audio production that help me out for my recording career and my mixing stuff like that. So the benefit, I, I don't see it directly, but the goal, you know, having the goal, it keeps me on here. And at the end of the day, we're helping other people out to take in, understand some topics that you know not everybody is type a you know i'm not necessarily a type a personality where i'm an extrovert some people are introverts and this may be a great way for them to you know first consume the content prior to actually stepping out to do it themselves so i mean that's that's my goal that i've seen here like
1: well i'm I'm glad you shared that because a i didn't know the the whole story of why and how this got started but, but, B is because I, th- I think you were able to achieve those things because you're an adaptable person, which is like a trait that I think is, is super, super important for anyone who has an idea of where they want to be, or even if they don't. If you're not a- adapted to change, you're probably not going to get there. I look at my own experience in the community, or even professionally with my career as uh, metaphorically, uh, like a rocket ship that takes off, and as it moves forward, there's parts that break off, but they, mm-hmm. but they serve a very important purpose. They help the rocket ship get from point A to point B, and then they fall off because they've done their part. But their whole role in this was to help it get to the next level. Mm-hmm. And with your meetup that you started, you had a goal of, I want to get people together. Like don't, So the point is, don't necessarily have the end goal in mind and stick exactly to that end goal, but make little milestones along the way that this one initiative right now is going to help me get to the next milestone. That's what the goal should be. And then the pieces fall off and that, and those pieces serve their purpose of helping you get to that milestone. And with you, the meetup was the first goal, the first milestone. It hit it. You hit that. So the things fell off. People stopped showing up and you thought, okay, now the next goal, the next milestone is I'm going to do this podcast. And you know you might you might you might grow and evolve the podcast into maybe one day you're going to be on a stage doing this in person, or maybe one day you're going to add video to it, or you're you never know. But that's the whole point of being adaptive to the things that you're surrounded by.
0: Yeah, it's a and just yeah, I can't. You've hit the nail right on the head. I mean, that's that's one of the things too. It's like you and we've worked in startups, and one of the big things is if you don't learn from the failures. there's no point in trying. There's no point in trying to get up to the next one because you're going to make that same mistake over and over again. So I think that's the best thing uh, to do there. If you um, learn something, it's not a failure. There yep, was a takeaway. Yep. That's a good thing. That's, you know, pivot's a bad, pivot is sometimes the bad, uh, bad word in uh, startup communities. I don't think so. I think you're taking understanding, you know, and being adaptable, which is a great thing. Um, Adam again thank you so much for being on this podcast today i think it was a it was an absolute treat by hands down like absolute treat to talk about this um because i think it comes in it doesn't close our topic about community building completely we'll talk about different other like community leaders and different experiences there um in the future but i think it does wrap up a different perspective that other people um, haven't talked about necessarily from it. someone who's done it as their job in their career to build out communities on a global scale. Um, but what I, as I like to do on the podcast um, normally is open up the floor to you to share anything you want with the audience. Mm.
1: Wow. The opportunity. Yeah. Um, I would, so I do. Okay. I'll, I'll, I'll leave with two messages that I'll do my best to keep short. Uh, one of them is very in line with everything that we talked about. Uh, I think I think one of the most important things with community is going back to the point just a few minutes ago of of being collaborative and not competitive. The the any community that is inclusive inclusive is going to increase their chances of moving forward than than a, than a community that's not. Um, and identi and and seeing challenges. Everybody's going to face challenges. So seeing the challenges as opportunities is just a mindset that's going to help any community move forward as well. A, a short story to go along with that. Um, you made the, uh, you, 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 you mentioned the example of funding being one of the a big problem in communities. Um, and that is a big problem. It's not easy just to one day say, Hey, we just got new funding coming in. Um, but thinking, so the story that I wanted to share with that is um, when I was in, Chicago still and, and being kind of a trying to be a community leader person, I um, got an email from a friend of mine. And she said, Hey, the CMO of Twilio is going to be coming through, are you going to be around to kind of show her what the ins and outs of the community and what Chicago has going on. And this was a person who Twilio is you know, San Francisco-based company. She was someone who was coming to Chicago because she had heard good things of what was happening, and she wanted to see it for herself. But she didn't know anybody. She didn't know any companies. She didn't know much about the community. So she came to visit. I met up with her. I showed her around to all the different coworking spaces, the companies that were doing really interesting things and 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 growing fast. Um, it was a whole day. Like it was literally hours of giving her a Chicago ecosystem tour. Um, The result of that is that she went back to San Francisco, told a lot of her coworkers, wrote some marketing material and blogs about it. And people were more aware of Chicago. And now we also had an ambassador, someone who was advocating for Chicago that was connected to lots of Mm -hmm. VCs in in Silicon Valley and San Francisco. I mean, so in a way, it's like looking at it. So the challenges and opportunities mindset, the way of viewing things, Um, you know, it might help you get some support that's not in your backyard at the time, but it might help you get it later down the road. So just being really bullish on the whole uh, challenges versus opportunities, kind of outlook on things, the collaboration uh, versus competition outlook on things. And then the last thing is trying new things, just being super open to, to trying new things. No one, you, myself, no one would have been able to get to where they are if they weren't someone who's willing to try new things. Um, my little approach to that is I always make a long list of stuff that I think would be really cool to know how to do. I have a very small interest in some of these things. I think it'd be cool if I could learn more about it. And I, I, I spend 30 days doing that, whether it's meditating or running or learning a new language, um, whether it's coding or speaking, mm-hmm. whatever it is, it's something that will take a little bit of time, but try that challenge very diligently for 30 days uh, and normally within the 30 day period it's going to be baked into your normal routine and that you're going to be it's going to be something that you'll be doing habitually by the by the end of like the 90 days and it's going to be something that is just normal to you after a while um okay that's the end of my rant so no that's, that's
0: good like i think that's a great uh topic because like at the end of thirty days, if it's something that you want to keep with, awesome. If not, you can say you've self-taught. And c- continual learning is a huge theme and thesis that goes on in this uh, in this podcast too. It's like always want to always better yourself. You never know everything you you don't know what you don't know. So figure out what you don't know so you can know it.
1: Yeah. That's good. And okay. and if you do, and if it doesn't work out positively, cross off the list and move on. And now yeah. you know that you, that you don't want to explore that.
0: Yep. That's awesome. Again, thank you again for joining us on episode nine of the Opinionated Stance podcast. I'll give you a round of applause really quick here uh, for being on the show. Um, If you're here listening to the show and you still haven't done so, Adam wants you to go visit OpinionatedStance.com. He wants you to also follow us on Twitter, Facebook. He wants you to subscribe to us on the iTunes and the Google's Play. The Google's Play, too. subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you have any comments, questions, again, show ideas, please reach out. We take snail mail. You could fax me. I don't have a fax machine. We'll we'll figure it all out. Um, We always love to hear the feedback from our listeners. And thank you again for listening to the shows. Uh, Until next time, cheers. We are out. Thank you, everybody.